0: This episode sponsored by Vorbos. Check them out in the description below. Yeah, I wanted to, to touch on the product lines that you yes. launched. So 35 products yeah. is a lot. Yeah, 35 products work. in, 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 in how long? In 18 and months? Month. 18 yeah. months. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's that is a okay. huge amount of upfront work. Yeah. So can you just talk us through, A, some of the products that you launched, yeah. like, the, the sort of work you did to yeah. go into that, how you launched it. and
1: paint a little um, picture there so those are 35 that passed right so i, I have another 20 <laughs> wow. that failed okay. yeah so each product is expensive to do the r&d in the first place uh so the way it works so in zincable my uh sunscreen i created the world's first uh, mineral sunscreen that was that had no white cast on skin of color that was extremely difficult to do because imagine you're working with 18 percent zinc oxide that's a metal oxide that almost looks like chalk Okay. So you've got 20 percent, say, chalk in a solution and you need to make it invisible somehow on skin right. of color. That was yeah. extremely difficult. Um, and then to get that at PA++, four pluses, so maximum UVA protection as well, was was very difficult. So that process took a year and a half just for Inzincable. And I started that product first because I knew that had the greatest need, but was also going to have the longest uh, mm. time for us to to pass that one the others the other products are much easier because um, generally if you're doing a cosmetic formula whether it's a say it's a moisturizer we created an acne range for example as a system it was your wash your salicylic acid wash your am gel pm gel um and your leave-on exfoliator each of those products will take you for me i'm in the lab will take me two days to make it that's quite easy then i send it off to stability testing microbiology that takes a good three months and then usually we have about two to three month lead time on packaging and ingredients okay. so usually i try and overlap the two mm-hmm. because say one month in i find um, that we're actually passing we may not have passed yet but i will go and buy the ingredients because i know that there's going to be a three month lead time there and packaging too so that the following month once i have passed i can go straight to manufacturing so that's how I've managed to cut down the time. Okay. Plus, there's no middleman. So for me, I can literally, when I make a product, I don't just make it in my head. I will go to my followers and say, hey, do you guys want an eye cream? Right, what, in, what are your key pro- um, key issues? And I'll poll it. Then I'll say, right, these are key ingredients that we need. How many mils do you want? What kind of packaging do you want? And I will show them different options. They will come back to me. So I'm using economics right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So that by the time we come to to selling, we've already got thousands of people signed up because Mm -hmm. they've already Mm -hmm. helped me create the product. Mm -hmm. It's not some new cold venture. They've been part of the entire process. And they're
2: invested in it personally. They're invested Mm -hmm. in it, yeah.
1: And so I do that for every single product, my hair range, my um, anti-aging range. So every single product we've done together as a collaboration.
2: So the first product, the first iteration, you come up with it with your sister. Do you approach sort of a team of scientists? Because I think yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of people. I mean, I've I've even spoken to people in the past where they you know they're thinking of making a little sort of hair solution or a little oil solution, mm-hmm. and you know they'll put it in their own little bottles and they'll give it to their friends or family. You know, kind of like everyone I think has those kind of home remedies. Definitely. How do you take it from kind of bedroom to boardroom? You know, in that yeah. way, like so, the first thing I'll say. There's a couple of things there, and anyone listening as well thinking about creating a beauty brand
3: but potentially, these are some useful um, kind of anecdotes and facts. So. Definitely, like I think about seven, eight years ago, even like five years ago, a lot of the beauty brand founders I interview in my podcast, a lot of them have started in that sort of like garage. I created this mask, I created this cream. Um, mainly because the barriers to entry to go to labs with very little funding were very high. Like the minimum order quantities to make something would be like 10 to 20,000. And to get a sample, you have to pay like even a thousand just to get one sample. Then it gets cheaper as you make more, like all this stuff, which is why you had to rely on going in the garage and making it yourself. For us, of course, there was a mixture of that where we were building these um, kind of recipes in the kitchen because that's Ayurveda, it's really, really about less is more. But at the same time, we, when we were dis- this is in 2019, 2018, you know, there were, were a lot more labs coming into the mix that were uh, open to these sort of new indie brands that would have high potential, and they would want to get them in early. So they would potentially decide to like even give you formulas without any upfront costs with the hope or letter of intent that if you like it, you then stick with us. Mm. And you know, if you start dangling carrots like, I think Sephora is interested in us and stuff, they even want to go further and they'll, sure. they'll give you a team. So you don't have to invest so much more. So we did actually start quite quickly with certain labs because the barriers are now been lower. And that helps a lot because you, you have to think about, yes, you have an amazing formulas you can make in the kitchen, but when it comes to actually creating products that will last on the shelf, you have to have all these elements that you won't have access to it, and you're not a chemist by any means. So I think that's important to not
2: take too long today to go to labs, because now you can. In terms of finding labs, mm. for anyone listening, is it a case of, you know, just Google is your friend? Or is there some kind of specific things to look for or search for for yeah. people that might want to do it themselves? It's a good question. I will say Google is quite
3: hard to find good labs, because labs don't do the very best job at marketing themselves. So right. it's not like an agency where you can type in, like, Fable and Main PR agency, and then probably pops up, and then you find, the one they use. If I type, if you type in Fable and Main hair or lab, I don't think you'll find who we use. So I do think there's a mixture of um, going to, um, potentially, there's a lot of different um, kind of uh, summits or uh, trade shows. Uh, there have some, like uh, Cosmoprof and different lab ones. That, um, we might be going to one in a few weeks in, in Japan. Like, there's some all over the world and a lot of the labs go, showcase themselves and they also show the brands that are in there. So you can right. pass by and say, oh, they're showing Sold the Janeiro, they must be creating at least creating one or two or maybe all of their products, right? Yeah. And that's very important to know because most brands don't have just one lab. So we have three labs, for example. So you might have certain SKUs. As SKUs are basically like individual like products that um, that can come in different forms. Those might be with um, certain labs, and other SKUs with other labs. So I would say one advice is, yeah, going to trade shows and you can get a much deeper enriched amount than you give your business card and you get a few. The second one is, yeah, there are some on Google that you can just find that have good SEO and they're usually the biggest and the best, um, but you have to spend a lot of time just in weeding them out and finding them but the third other best way is you know don't feel hesitant to DM a founder um, often this is why I created Founder Beauty is because the founders don't have much following um, the, the brand has so sometimes you'll see this brand that's got 10 million followers but the founder is like 600 followers mm. and not no one knows yeah. them uh, I can name you Ten big beauty brands, and you wouldn't know the founder.
2: Um, and for everyone listening, Founder Beauty, as I said, is your podcast. Oh, yeah. But what it is is that you interview founders, founders of beauty. Companies.
3: Yeah, only founders, founder to founder. Um, and now we've got nearly two hundred founders that I've interviewed, and I think that's really important because I think knowing that the barriers to entry to also uh, talk to and listen to founders, I think, can really help people feel they're less lonely in that starting process. Because mm-hmm. I can tell you, founders will help another founder because they've been there, they mm-hmm. know the struggle, and they've been helped. So, you know, if you DM me, I'll share with you my labs. If you, um, you know, DM a few others, you, you can make your own list just from that. And otherwise, you know, there are other ways to, if you, they don't reply to a DM, go to some summits and listen to them, you know, pay $100 to speak, uh, to, to listen at a beauty summit and after go grab them, mm-hmm. right? But so there's, there is a lot of ways that people can actually realize that,
2: um, yeah, is in their reach. So with the initial, um, with the initial product, how did it go from having a sort of, as you say, just a kind of boat in the fridge with bone broth to actually formulating a sort of scientifically tested, ready for market, ready for market product?
4: Yeah. When we kind of found out it was collagen, we looked on the market and like, what was out there already? Um, And surprisingly, there wasn't really anything. Mm. Like there was a couple of skin supplements with other ingredients, but beauty supplements were quite new at that point. Um, So it was about researching what the best type of collagen was but the best form of collagen and it's a really confusing market especially for consumers um there's a lot of misinformation out there and trying to like dig through the science like speaking to experts we knew we wanted something like incredibly convenient um didn't need to be kept in the fridge the maximum of like what you could get in the minimum dose that was really important um but yeah that's kind of how we got to the eight thousand milligrams with vitamin c in a little yellow sachet really
0: and how did you go, once you decided that that was what you needed, how did you then actually put that into production and, and get your sort of MVP product, if you like?
4: Yeah, we, <laughs> we were going through some old emails the other day actually. And me and my mum must've looked like crazy people. Like you've got this like 55 year old woman, she never worked.
3: Oh really, okay. Yeah,
4: so she met my dad when she was 25. Yeah. Um, and then he had two kids already, so my old sisters, um, and became a stay at home mum. So yeah, and me, he was at uni. Just emailing like, so this collagen, can we import it? What's what's the regulations? Like, and then going to a blender and being like, Can you mix this? Like, how do we make it like shelf stable? Blah, 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 blah. And then we found a manufacturer to put it into sachets and their ace, like we still yeah. speak to them like pretty much every day. <laughs> mm. They do all our packing. Um, they were the ones, I guess, that took like the risk or chance on us. Okay. Yeah. Because um, 'cause we're doing relatively small volumes, like their other customers are huge. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, sure. Yeah but now we're we're one of their biggest and we're part of their sort of ecosystem which is lovely
0: was there a degree i suppose when you were building that initial product of being n- nervous because I assume when you're doing consumables there's a much greater risk about what you're actually putting into your product versus something you put on your skin or or you know clothing or anything yeah. like that yeah. so was there any nervousness around that
4: so that's the crazy thing so obviously we have cosmetics now yeah cosmetics are so regulated mm. like ridiculously which is amazing for the consumer you have to do your testing you have to upload like your Toxicology reports, your report shelf life, Mm. to the government website. Like it's on there. It's on the government gateway. Food, you can as long as you have kind of the you know your some food safety stuff, which not really people they don't really check that. Like trading standards doesn't check it. Mm. You're kind of left to your own devices, which isn't good. It's not a good way of operating because we sit in between. We're not a medicine. Yeah, not pure pure food. We're we're a supplement. We sit in the food category, which is just not regulated and that's the problem with collagen so you get you can get collagen from a lot of things so like we use type one which is skin mm. we use fish skin to get that it's just kind of how it how it works you can but like think of how many types of fish are out there yeah, yeah and it's all based on the amino acid profile of that specific collagen from the fish that's gonna do the do the good stuff if that makes sense um you then have like fish that are farmed or natural and the fish we use they like to live in crowded spaces if you get them out in the wild mm. they generally live in really toxic environments so you need to educate the consumer that you don't really want farmed uh, wild fish mm. sure. you okay. want farmed and that's it's really difficult trying to, you always want to do what's right as a company and you always want to give the consumer the best the best thing but sometimes it takes that education
2: how, how big was the first batch do you remember
4: uh, like
2: your first minimum, minimum order?
4: Yeah, so we <laughs> we were ordering like we had to do like a ton at a time. Right. So a ton was roughly um, eight thousand units. Wow. Okay. Um, and that was a lot. Like, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we did a smaller ton. Like, we did a five hundred kilogram batch. Um, and I remember that last like a year. Right. Right. And we were trying to reformulate because we'd formulated with a chemical sweetener. And we okay. wanted it to be natural that process took ages. And I remember I was like, we're gonna run out in three days. It needs like, you need to blend it. We need to pack it. Cause you have to wait for your micro results. So we ran out and I remember sat there at the printer like printing, cause we had a male and a female product but they were identical. Printing notes to put in the women's order, like that we're gonna send the men's but it's the same, don't panic. Yeah. Right. Like and you do all these things. Like you just like grasp and run with it, don't you? And you have to.
0: So when did you start your hair care brand then?
5: December yeah, right, right.
0: 2019 as December well. 2019. TikTok. Yeah, that,
5: was a bi- that was a busy, busy month for you, all right? Okay. <laughs> I hit 10k the day okay. on TikTok in my first week, and then I launched when I hit 10k. It was really random. Okay. Right, okay. What, so, ma- yeah. what made
0: you want to start start that that brand?
5: Um, I remember working, and my boss was like, Um, you can't just do this whole like posting cute photos on Instagram thing forever. Instagram's gonna die." Do you remember?
0: Yeah. When people
5: used to say that all the time, and I was like, "It's not. It's not. It's changed our DNA and our brains. We can never go backwards from Instagram." And she scared me. So I was like, okay, well, what can I offer? And I think one of the most beautiful things about Bayaram is the fact that it naturally came about because I always knew I wanted to create something that young girls who might not have had a mom who wouldn't naturally have access to this product, they now have it. They don't have to sit at home, mix all the oils. I don't wanna leave it in their hands that they have to have the knowledge that my grandma had to mix all the oils and to put it into the microwave and burn their fingers and sloppily put it on, no. Like I struggled with that. I was lucky to have my grandma. I wanna make sure that we have a bottle that just in your own hands, you can do it. And you don't even need to worry. You don't need to feel left out from this like ancient tradition of oiling your hair. So I always knew it was gonna be an oil. I always knew it was gonna be called Biarum. I always knew the formula. I always knew what the color of the bottle would be, what the logo would look like. And it just kind of, the ideation was there. The action was hard Mm. because I started in January, 2019. So it took me basically a year to get the bottle into my hands. Um, but it wasn't perfect. I had a private group on Facebook with my closest like followers. I think there was like 3,000 in there. And I soft launched in there, which a lot of people don't know. And they were very kind to me. They were the ones that told me there's a typo there. I okay. this link doesn't work. Wow. And I definitely would recommend that. And even if you don't have like a fan base, ask your friends and families, your soft launch there, make a group chat or something where they can give you really honest feedback. Mm. I think that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs probably struggle with. Yeah because there's a lot of like ego attachment. Like this is your logo, like you guys, if you get feedback, I'm sure you guys are like evolved enough not to, but you're gonna be like, no, that's my baby. Mm-hmm. This this room right here, this podcast, this is my baby. And a lot of people have their ego in their products, mm-hmm. but I think I've always been like a very detached person. Mm-hmm. So when people give me feedback, I was just like done, fixed, next, tell me, what do we do? And mm-hmm. then when it came to launching, um, I was good. There was no typos. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I feel like a lot of people don't listen to their customers enough when they launch a product. Mm. As you say, they follow their ego and they just jump straight in, assuming there's going to be a right. Kind of a product but you create for, things in a bubble.
5: Yeah. And I say this to my marketing all, team all the time. Like we sit there and we think that this strategy works really well and this post really conveys where we're going to be, but we don't even need to read it and we know what it's saying. Whereas a lot of people are going to look at that and be like, "What? what are they saying here? Like, mm. It, mm. there's no context to it. So taking yourself out of that bubble and looking at it with raw eyes, or asking someone with raw eyes. I wanted to
0: ask. I mean, mm. you've obviously got a degree of authenticity when you started given your obviously medical yeah. degree or medical career prior what would be your advice to someone who maybe wants to start a beauty a beauty line or skincare line or hair line mm. line, whatever it might be um who doesn't necessarily have that background or has the access to laboratories and that sort of inside knowledge shall we say yeah. um but perhaps wants to launch something that they where they see a gap in the market
1: yeah i think anyone can do anything so i'm all about growth mindset there's even if you've come from you know being a pilot and you decided you don't want to create a sunscreen for pilots you know you can use your background to to do anything you want in skincare but what i would do is number one look for a niche don't create another me too product it's not going to do well because now you're working on pennies and you're probably going to go bankrupt you're going to lose everything and it really is soul crushing when a business fails because it's not just money, it's your time. Mm. It's your valuable time that you can never get back again. So really make sure you've got something that doesn't exist. If it exists, don't do it. And I say that myself, if something exists, I I, I won't make it. And I'll say, hey guys, go and buy X, Y, and Z. It's excellent. And I buy it for myself or I buy it for my kids. Mm. Uh, so that's the first thing I'd say. Second thing I'd say is you can hire a cosmetic formulator to make what you want. And just have a look at their past work um, and make sure you like it because there are a lot of not very good cosmetic formulators uh, out there. Third thing I'd say is watch my videos because I basically teach you all the cosmetic formulators are watching my videos and learning and then improving their own formulas. So, you know, it's free information. I would definitely watch those videos on YouTube. Mm. Um, And then after that, I would say build a following. That's absolutely key. It's nowadays, you know, it's not an... It's hard to be anonymous and have a brand. So I've had a lot of people come up to me and say, look, I don't feel comfortable putting my face on camera. And I don't, you know, how can I do it without putting my face on camera? And I don't know really how you do that now because it's extremely expensive. I remember when I first started, I felt the same way. Mm. And I looked at influencers and they were charging 5,000 pounds for a story. And I just thought, I don't Mm. have 5,000 pounds for a story. I'm going to have to figure this thing out myself. So unless you've got extremely deep pockets even then i think people need that connection they mm, need definitely. to yeah. trust yeah. you they need to believe you like how many how many airbrushed you know pictures have you seen of mm. ads and you just think, oh yeah yeah i just yeah. Don't, I don't, even, believe I don't even register it, it. don't no. even register you see like a
2: massive designer ad with a with yeah somebody, it's just it d- doesn't even register I
1: totally yeah. agree with you like even billboards now they just yeah. don't work yeah whereas before that's all we had mm. and so i i I would say if you're not feeling comfortable about going on camera, I would really think about if this is business is gonna work for you because it's extremely hard. It, it might work and you might have deep pockets and you might be able to pay lots of influencers to talk about your products, but most of us don't. People didn't know what collagen was. So it was
4: quite easy to speak to someone and kind of say, do you know what collagen is? No. Okay, well you're made of collagen and it mm. depletes. Take this, you'll top it back up and you'll get amazing results. So, like, do you, want, do you want me to explain about collagen? Yeah, yeah, yeah that'd be cool. helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, actually, collagen's everywhere. Like, it's the biggest protein in your body. It's in your skin, nails, um, teeth, eyes, like, joints, bones, like, it's literally everywhere. Uh, and you get different types. So, as you age, and a wrinkle's really easy to explain because you can see it, you can't really see your bones. Um, as we age, you get worse at sort of depleting the stores. So, like, a wrinkle forming is collagen degrading.
0: Okay.
4: It's kind of easy to understand. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a massive protein. Like I said, like your body can't get rid of it, so it chops it up into little pieces. For the supplement, you're ingesting those little pieces to trick your body into thinking more's breaking down, so it creates. Right. More. Okay. okay. I'm
0: with you.
4: Yes, yeah, it's great
5: for like people with
4: like a joint issues is yeah, like yeah. the biggest thing. It's been used for really. Um, yeah, it's great for skin hair, nails and anything
2: like that. Were you really passionate about this um, before it launched? And first of all, were you drinking it before it became a product yourself? As in were you one of the kind of lab rats that your mum gave the stuff to? Yeah,
4: it was literally like stock. Like I was eating stock cubes for uh, years.
2: And so (laughs) were you super passionate about skincare in any other personal way? Or was it more like, this could be a business and it is a good product, let's just run with that?
4: Yeah, so I love food. hence I did food science at uni like food supplements that's what I love um sport like is my thing I guess um I love developing things and weirdly what I wanted to do before I went to uni is like procurement and operations in a food company Mm. which is what I like I was COO of Absolute Collagen for like the first three years that's what I got to do um I love like problem solving like that's one of my big passions. Skincare, like I've never been a big like makeup person. It's not really my thing. Skincare, I love the fact that you can use kind of like supplements and skincare and kind of build beauty through like strength of your own body, if that makes sense. Completely. Um, rather than like covering up or putting something on top, etc. Yeah, cetera. completely um, agree, yeah. So I've kind of fallen into this but it's through a passion like it's through like a backdoor passion if that makes sense yeah or, yeah um but now i love it like skincare so interesting now i know that i know this is my I know this is my place <laughs> it's in
2: terms of um the finance side of things yeah. so uh down to the sort of nitty-gritty how much did you start with and how much uh, was that allocated to which sector and and, yeah. and what was that was that sort of savings from your career in beauty was that sort of family loan business loan so i didn't have um a typical business plan which has probably
3: not the best but at the same time like it's worked out i wouldn't right. go back and change it because this is sort of yeah. like startup you know yeah. like if i felt it i felt it and i didn't really know so you know you don't know how fast you will grow so even what you create in your first year if i based it on my ten thousand units then i would have only pr- pr- projected this amount of sales and business and funding but then god i kept it a bit like skeleton because when we went viral on tiktok after three months i had to change the whole model and mm. raise in you know, a fundraiser with my with my family a bit more so what we did is, so Fable and Main is fully self-funded. That's number one. It's um, funded by, yeah, my father is 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 funding it, and um, this has been a big blessing for us because we can have this ability to not go out and raise investment, yeah. and instead just rely on that. And also, like my dad has worked so hard from literally coming from Uganda, EDI meantime, you know, exiled out, and then from 50 pounds in his pocket, literally selling in Wembley Market to building his own company. Mm-hmm. He, um, yeah, he's worked so hard for it. I think he's still instilled that hard work and discipline. So it's not like we've got this open check from him. We still have to prove to him what we're spending, how we're getting it back. These are all loans at the end of the day. But at the end of the day, I prefer trusting in my dad to get loaned in a bank
0: Hmm. sure or
2: an investor where i give a chunk yeah, of the company away. so i've managed to do this and this but is just before ready. you go yeah. on there because i think that's an, Im- an important point yeah if someone uh obviously a lot of people won't be in that kind of situation exactly. where they're fortunate enough to have that if they don't have that would you recommend for something like beauty going the investor route would you recommend the bank route uh yeah. or sort of saving and doing it yourself
3: so beauty is sort of weirder and weirder each year it changes um More or less, like this is just like a very basic rule book that I've spoken to so many founders I know roughly. To start a beauty brand, like you need at least 300,000 pounds. It sounds like weird, but like generally speaking, there's a website cost, there's initial units, there's initial marketing, um, all that stuff, maybe one or two team. This is minimum. But then if you do well and you have a strong retail partner, even if it's just one, um, and depending depending on what your brand is, it could be like a Whole Foods brand, it could be like a um, a Selfridges or a Sephora brand, you then need to potentially have more capital to scale. And then that means more sampling, more units, and this mm. and that. So sometimes you could even need one, one or 1.5 million to start a good beauty brand today that's wow. hit to stand. So of course, that means significant capital raising. High barrier to entry. So there is that. Yeah, exactly. Now, there are different ways to do it. You could create a brand, very small, just have and sell out every three months and keep on fundraising it. There's even other models. Like one of my friends has got a beauty brand that is a dropship model. So it's sort of like Kickstarter. Like yeah. you basically have every plan pays up front and then you make exactly what's needed and they wait six months because they're willing to wait and then you deliver the product and that's sort of like a more even sustainable way. So there is many different ways, don't get me wrong, but on an average term, this is sort of like the typical rule book I've been seeing as, as an average. Now, of course, if you're doing the first initial friends and family potentially, right, or 300K, I always say... Best to not give A, too much of your company away at the beginning, because beauty brands can grow really quickly and then have crazy multiples and great evaluations. So usually on your net revenue, net sales, you can get a 5X evaluation. So if you're looking to sell, the last thing you want is you've built the brand in three years and you're given 20% away for 25K or 50K, and you're going to be like, why did I do that? So um, I would say, generally speaking, friends and family is your first bet, people that believe in you, and um, they can invest in that. And, you know, it doesn't have to be done. You don't have to raise everything in one go and then say that's it for a bit. You can keep on, you can have an open raise. Mm -hmm. And then I think once you start getting a good retailer, get initially good sales, maybe you first start D2C and then you launch with a retailer. Maybe before you get into that retailer, you then have initial couple of months revenue. You can then potentially produce a good potential run rate with that. You can then also say, look, I've got this Evaluation now, which is a 10x or 8x, because I believe now with the potential Sephora, the potential retailer, we're going to grow even more. Um, and I've got my pipeline of products. You could probably then raise your proper full round, yeah. but not give so much away because you can probably then You've even give it, a, for it. Like I've invested in a lot of beauty brands um, that have only done three months of revenue and they're evaluating them sometimes, sometimes at 20 million, 25 million. Oh, wow. So it's possible, okay. yeah. right? With just two, three months of revenue.
2: Out of the 300K that you think is sort of the minimum to start with, yeah. what's the split between product, branding, marketing budget? And in terms of marketing, what marketing avenues were you using? So, okay, so going back to also the finance question. So you, generally speaking, as a rule of thumb, you should have
3: your marketing budget should be roughly 20% of your revenue forecast. So let's say you're you 10 to a million. You should be spending, like in beauty, this is the average standard. You should spend 200K in marketing. Right try not to do tw- 20 30% sometimes but if you're in high growth but don't do too much more i've seen brands do like 70 50% because they just want to get a lot of revenue and then exit in a year or two but if you're starting no um so that's like one easy way so let's say um i intend with the 300k to make a million dollars i sp- i will I think 200k is quite a lot at that point so maybe 200 doesn't do that at the beginning though like when you're doing the initial first amount i think a, a lot of that is quite these these one fixed costs that usually you won't need to do that much again right meaning those fixed costs would be a website cost that you know will be a big investment first but it's done uh it might be um certain like recruitment cost fees hire some people yeah. It might be um, your office space first. Certain things, uh, the first samples and trademark costs, legal costs, all those stuff are important. Like you might need to get your brand
2: registered by all these different countries. Mm. But then once it's done, you're, you're solid for a while. And so how did you make that for five pounds an hour? How did you make that work? Because the travel time and then the money on travel and all that kind of stuff.
6: Back then it was different. You know, back then people used to earn 50, 60 pounds a day. Yeah. So if I may, if I did six, seven massages a day, which is is alone. I used to leave home seven. I would not come back till eleven. Wow. So yes, yeah, so that obviously later you try to combine in the same area and yeah, things yeah, like yeah. this. But yeah. I used to do like eight, nine massages a day. And some people give me a little tip or yeah, yeah. they feed me or you know like somebody knows or did you have lunch? Give me. So it's a it's a really like even the people see the passion and mm. and you know so how you good to them. They want to help. Mm. So they they helped me with the language. I didn't even have massage bed. So we used to literally do it on the floor. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. okay, right, okay. You literally let nothing yeah. get in your way. Exactly. Okay, right. <laughs> I guess for
2: five yeah. pounds you get what you get. Yeah, pay of course, you know, you, you know what, what the product is. Yeah. The, help, the, the fact that it's so, so cheaply priced is is good because it's like, they're like, you have a massage bed. You're like, it's five pounds, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. take the massage. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, take it true. now, yeah, yeah. 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 And so how did you go from scaling up, you know, how do you, cause that's the thing a, a lot of people have a, a sort of problem with, or they, they encounter as a struggle. is like changing pricing, you know, it's like, oh, I'm charging 20 pounds an hour, but how do I go from 20 and start charging more it's awkward a client's going to leave me how do I have that conversation how did you transition from yes that's
6: definitely a big factor and it's a a fear at first as well so at some point you get so fully booked right that you you like you just can't take any more Mm. clients and you're realizing okay and also it's tiring because it's a very physical sure so there is only so many hours a day you can do so you just you just Tell them and some of, and you just re, uh, accept that you're more likely to lose 30%, which is fine because if you increase your prices, let's say by 20% or 30%, you're getting the same thing. So I think that 30% loss every time I increase, yeah. but but it was just like new people came in and, and new, it just was, was building up. So you I would not, yeah. yes, I would not. Uh, i would not be uh, i would advise not to be feared of charging appropriate prices for the work if you have no space mm. so yeah so there there is a there is a buyer for any <laughs> for everything right so mm. it's just it is what it is and at some point you realize you just can't do it. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it's it's there is oh, sorry, but I just can't do it. I'm physically tired. Yeah, my yeah. hands are now uh, hurting me, and um, I just can't do it.
0: How did you actually come up with the pricing then? Once you went for it five pounds, it was just the five increased.
6: pounds. It was like more free massage as a tip. Yeah. A oil, whatever. So it was. I think back then the minimum uh, wedge was like six pounds or yeah. five pounds forty. An hour, so I guess that sort of like was I don't I don't even know I think it just was like more like a tip. My and
0: how did you price it when you increased it? How did you come up with that number? Just
6: just f- five quid more.
0: Okay.
6: So I was like twen- ten quid, then I went twenty quid, then I went like thirty five, and I stayed for thirty five for a long time. And uh, but also my aim always was to be in center London. So I was selecting. So I already knew, even though I lived by Heathrow Airport, I already was moving into Chelsea and Belgravia area. So then one of and then all of a sudden, when you're moving to Chelsea and Belgravia area, you're hitting the scene, and that is a totally different people. So all of a sudden, you have. The, no, the, the, the CEO of joseph the, the, mm. all the Chelsea the, the house the, all, all these people celebrities right mm. um, you, just just coming to you and uh, one of the clients or Chelsea she's actually they had a salon it's uh, called Neville it's in Belgrave. it's a very famous hairdressing salon. She was my client and she said, by the way, we're restructuring the possibility for for you to have a room there. Ah, Okay, so I'm like wonderful. So she was my client and she said, okay, I have a salon and mm. I want you to be there, right? So I start renting. I start renting two days a week, three days a week, four days a week, and then I just started renting full-time for like eight years mm. at that space.
1: This is the economics of of, of the cosmetics world. The vast majority of products are being sold in your local drugstore, whether it's Walgreens, Boots or wherever you are in the world. Those pro- those companies take 30 to 50 percent margin of your product and you have to be able to manufacture and have enough fat in the system to be able to reorder the second and third batch, otherwise you'll go bankrupt. So knowing that and say you're selling a product at five pounds that means they've already taken two pounds away Mm. your vat is gone that's also another pound and now you're left with two pounds now in that two pounds you're going to have to create by packaging so my packaging costs about a pound per dollar and then your uh the ingredient that you're filling it with now because i'm using expensive ingredients the ingredients itself are five Mm. pounds you wouldn't be able to sell it let alone manufacture it so if whatever you're buying in boots just as a matter of maths the ingredients have to have to come up to less than 50 pence
0: so the model wow. so the model must be then just direct to consumer it is it has, the to, way be. It has yeah. to be because that's the only way you can it actually. it is but the
1: other thing to know is the product you're buying in your local drug store are cheap product Meaning, not just you're buying it and it's cheap. Mm, that's just blowing my mind. The ingredients yeah, yeah, yeah. being put in there, no matter what, yeah, what yeah. the claims are.
2: Because by definition, it has, it has to, to be that. Exactly, it has to be, yeah.
1: and that's what people don't understand. Wow. And so that what, what I realized was, that's hold on, so these nuts. are all really yeah. cheap, cheap, cheap products with lots of claims, yeah. but actually, what I realized is they're not using ingredients in the therapeutic index. Their cosmetic law, cosmetic regulation is very lax. You can, for example, put 0.0001% retinol and say, this is a retinol cream.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you, okay. I saw and that, for I, saw I saw the video you did on the yeah. retinol creams. I, yeah. I watched that same thing, yeah, 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 yeah. Wow.
1: So I didn't think, people didn't realize this because mm. there's a curtain on the cosmetic yeah. world and no one's gonna expose it. Yeah, of course. And so when I started exposing product after product after product, yeah then people start to understand and then they went hold on so actually dr v can you make us a product we these are percentages we want these are the ingredients that we want and put them together and so i started making tyrosinase inhibitor kits with 10 tyrosinase inhibitors Mm. that doesn't make any logical sense the reason is you can only remember three so if you're in boots you'd be like oh this is a retinol cream i can remember one ingredient you would never remember 10 ingredients Mm. so why would you put 10 ingredients in when it's financially not viable, mm. and people aren't going to remember it anyway. anyway, yeah. yeah. and so that's why that model didn't work for me. It's because I had to create a whole new world where people can learn, they can educate themselves, and they can buy D to C. Mm. So there's no middleman, yeah. there, I don't need to give an extra 30% mm-hmm. margin mm-hmm. to anybody. So imagine for me you're buying a retinaldehyde retinol uh, serum, which doesn't even exist on the market, you can't actually buy it anywhere else because they're such in- expensive ingredients mm. to combine together. Um, at a reasonable price that it it just wouldn't be viable on any shelf and that's the vast majority of skincare
2: Mm. You, you win by default that's mad
1: yeah